Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Samantha and Denise. We're so happy to have you join us this week because we're going to be discussing an exciting topic that we hope will ignite your ideas as you enter a brand new, happy, exciting year. We're going to spend this hour talking about how to manifest the career of your dreams. And more importantly, we're going to be talking about the importance of creating a career that is in alignment with your calling. So Denise, I just thought we could start off by talking about how careers in general right now are shifting so much. When you and I were talking before we started recording the show, we were saying how uh, you know, before people would go for these 30-year careers and you hope for the big retirement package and the gold watch and, and how all of that is shifting now. And we're really being asked to not necessarily go after a paycheck, but to focus on creating a career that's more in alignment with who you are and what excites you and to not think so much about spending 30 years at one job, but to maybe be open to switching careers Um, if you're not happy where you are, and to think about expanding the potential within you rather than just working for that almighty paycheck, right? Right. I agree with that. And I think that the younger people right now, the millennials, the the people in high school, the the college-age students um, truly have the right idea in that they look at this as they're going to reinvent themselves throughout their whole lives. And for a lot of people who are um, becoming more in tune with their, their intuition, their empathy, their, you know, that whole piece, we're all waking up for different reasons, but I think it's all heading in the same direction, which is aligning with what we truly came here to do and what brings us joy. Because it goes back to that piece about it, is it about the, just the financial reward or is it about having abundance and wealth in all areas of your life? Exactly. And abundance of more than wealth, abundance of joy and happiness. One of the things that I'm grateful for with my career is that it's something I don't want to retire from. Right. And And I'm really happy. Yeah. And I'm happy to be able to say that. I haven't always been able to say that with other jobs I've had. But when I took the leap of faith and went, you know, after it and, and went for the idea of following my calling, I realized that I don't want to retire from this job. I love what I do. And I think everybody deserves to be able to say that. And, you know, last week when we were talking on the show, we were saying that you and I have both been experiencing a common theme in our readings where people are coming to a sense of completion and endings, in particular with their careers. And you were saying that you've kind of had a pattern the last couple of months where you've been advising people that the information you're getting intuitively for them is that it's time to shut a door. And a lot of times in your readings, it's been on on the career that they're in. And that can be scary. It, it can be incredibly um, unsettling and scary. And it, if you're of a certain age or generation or you've been the person who's always been the ultra-responsible one, it's how do we switch gears and say, okay, this is what I truly want to do for me 
and what I love and it brings me joy and is that as acceptable as I've worked really hard and I've taken care of my family and I've made sure everything I mean, and I think it, it, where we're going now is we're finding the balance between the two. This isn't, you know, throwing all caution to the wind and saying, you know, I, I'm just going to go and, and do whatever I want. It's more about finding, and, and just as an aside, I did an, uh, a reading earlier tonight and, or excuse me, earlier today, and the woman I was speaking with, when she talked about the career that she's in, it felt heavy and dense, and she was just so, so unhappy. And then she talked about something that she has as a hobby that she'd like to build into a career, and her whole energy changed, and she she felt lighter, and I mean, I heard everything about her changed, and that's what I mentioned is that's often a sign of, am I on the right path, is what's your physical reaction, what's your energetic reaction to how you're spending such a huge percentage of your day? Really good point. Have you ever had the Sunday night blues before going to your job? Uh, yeah. Isn't that the worst <laughs> feeling? Oh, it's terrible. I used to get yeah. angry, though. I used to just get a little bit testy on Sunday afternoons, Sunday evenings, because I knew what was coming. Yes. Well, you know, um, the, the, I don't know what the word is, the, the most common day for a heart attack is Monday morning. Oh, well, that's uh, just, isn't that a, oh, that's a, that's a nice piece of trivia. Um, but it's because so many people are going to jobs that, that they don't like and that don't feed their soul. And it could be that they're just doing a job that's not in alignment with who they are, or it could be that they're just working with people that aren't in alignment with who they are. So one of the things that Denise and I wanted to focus on in this hour is just getting you all and all of us to think about what you do for a living and is it in alignment with your calling and to talk about some options and some ideas for manifesting new opportunities for yourself that are in alignment with who you are. So we wanted to start by talking about the difference between a job a career, and a calling. So a job is something that we do for money. It's not something that we necessarily love. It's more of a means to an end. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think we've all been there. A career uh, is different from a job because a career is something that you invest in. You invest in in terms of education, in terms of time, in goal setting. A career is about advancement, promotion, and long-term goals. But a calling is different. A calling is intrinsically fulfilling. It's something that you would do even if you didn't get paid. And I think that's where we all need to focus our energy when we're manifesting in the new year, is to make sure that we are investing in our calling. Because when we are doing what we are called to do, doors open, opportunities present themselves, and joy ensues. And I think we all owe it to ourselves in this beautiful but often too short life that we are given. You know, really, it's not a hugely long time that we're on this earth. And to invest 40 years into a job or a career that we don't really love and that doesn't really honor who we are is a terrible waste, in my opinion, of this gift called life. There's um, a really great blog post that I refer to often. It was so popular that it was turned into a book, which you can buy um, 
on Amazon. It's called The Crossroads of Should and Must. And in the blog post, she talks about how so many of us choose the road of should. It's a blog post. We'll link you up to it on our Facebook page, but it's a blog post by El Luna. And she talks about how most of us choose that road of should. I should do this job. I should go after the insurance benefits. I should focus on this. I should do what my parents are expecting me to do. I should make use of my education that I spend so much money and time on. Should, 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 should. And she's saying that we really should think about focusing on the road of must. I must do this because it's what my soul is calling me to do. I must do this because it's what brings me joy. And I like that idea of thinking about being at the crossroads of should and must. And I think as you go throughout your week, after listening to this podcast, I would just invite you all to think about how many things in your day and your week and your month are about things you should do and how many things in your life are about things your soul must do. And try to come up with a balance, at least, of shoulds and musts. And hopefully try to get to a place where your must outweigh the shoulds. I mean, there's all things we, we kind of have to do, right? Like you have to pay your bills. You have to do laundry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should clean your house every day. There's some of those shoulds that you can't avoid. But I think that there are a lot of shoulds in our life that we can avoid. And Denise, when we were preparing for the show, you were talking about how you have people in your life and clients who feel obligated to pursue a career because it's in their family. And I thought that was a really good point. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Well, I I think that that's that's an excellent point. And and I think the example I had used was that there was a, a family here in town that has a very established paving company and they had all these sons and it was always the expectation that the boys would go into the business and they did and then you know I think it was the third or fourth son that uh, and he was very creative very artsy all of these things and he said I really don't want to do this but that's what we do it's the family expectation we all work for the company and I saw him a few years later and I he was on a paving crew on the side of the road and he waved and and it kind of my heart was heavy because he he was doing what he it, it was just a given that he didn't really have a choice and if he had made the choice it would have really ostracized him from his family and from those expectations and I think that's kind of a piece with the the um, the calling the job and the shoulds and the must is that and we mentioned this as well sometimes you do something because it's what you need to be doing to to take care of people you love at the time. It might be your children, your partner, your parents, and you need to know that there's that stability of that job, but that doesn't mean it can take away from um, pursuing what you'd really love to do on the side or in your spare time. And I think that as far as the job piece, this kind of struck me as well, is that I had, where I live right now, a lot of the mills are shutting down and people who have become very accustomed to a certain lifestyle based on their income suddenly don't have that income level. And um, they may have a lot of the material items, but now there's no, they're very overwhelmed with how do I keep going? They, and so many never really wanted to work there, but it gave them a lifestyle 
that they wouldn't have had any other way. So I think the trade-off piece is important. And not that it's right, wrong, or indifferent if you choose that path, but all of the things that we're talking about come down to keep connected to, to honoring that light within with what brings you, um, what, what you feel your purpose is. Very well said. Because too many of us are following those expectations, and I think that can be detrimental. We have to follow our heart and what our heart knows to be true. There's um, this really interesting TED Talk that's actually linked up, and in the, in the link we'll put on our Facebook page of The Crossroads of Should and Must, and it's by a designer named Stefan Sagmeister. And he talks about how he looked at his life in a very long-term view. And say, for example, he was going to decide to retire at 65. Well, he said, what if I just add five years to that? And instead of, you know, retiring at 65, I retire at 70. But I don't, not, I don't work those five years. I take those five years and I intersperse them into my work life. And I take breaks and sabbaticals throughout. So what he did was he recreated his long-term plan and he works seven years and takes one year off. And then he works seven years and takes one year off. And his TED Talk is about other people that have done similar things in their life and how it has advanced their life tremendously. For example, he talks about a famous chef who keeps his restaurant open seven months out of the year and closes down for five months so that he can recharge his batteries, test new recipes, and get reignited for the next seven months. So when I saw that TED Talk, I thought, well, that must be nice because I can barely take a Saturday and a Sunday off, <laughs> right? <laughs> Never mind. Never mind a whole year. But, and I'm sure many of you are listening to this going, mm-hmm, who's going to pay my bills for that year? So I'm right there with you. I get that. But the TED Talk just made me think, what if there were a way that we could prepare for more time off to recharge our batteries and follow what we love and think about getting back in touch with our passions? And I don't mean necessarily taking a whole year off, but what if we did look at ourselves, not our education and not our home but ourselves as an investment and took time off to invest in ourselves and pursuing our passions, what would that look like? And, and a really strong correlation between, you know, what is my passion and what is my calling is, you, you nailed it a few minutes ago, is would you do this if, if it was, would you still write if no one read it? Would you still paint if no one else saw what you had done? If you have that, that, that in your soul where you have to do it anyway, that's a huge little nudge that you're on the right path to what could really bring you, could be your calling and your profession that would bring you a lot of happiness. Or um, I think for a lot of people listening, because this is about empaths and highly sensitive and all that stuff, so many people want to have a spiritually based business. They want to, you know, do readings or energy work or shamanic work or whatever those might be. And one of the things that um, you and I have talked about, Samantha, and I've, I've talked with, with other people, you know, that I've been doing readings with is really if, if your goal is that I want to be a full-time fill-in-the-blank 
start practicing or start visualizing what your day would look like if that's what you truly were doing for a living. You know, what time would you get up in the morning? How would you structure your day? And, and start putting that out there because as we've talked about in so many of these, these episodes, money is energy. It's an exchange. But when you're talking about having an abundant, full, wealthy life, that is, is all-encompassing. And you can always generate money. You can always find a way to get money. That's, but when you tie that in with, with what you came here to do or what brings you joy or what is your natural given talent, it, it, the synchronicity, as you mentioned earlier, is unbelievable. It's almost like the universe says, okay, she finally got it. Let's go. I agree. And I think you have to think about those moments uh, when you lose time, when you're doing something that you enjoy so much that you just lose time and follow that. And you don't have to take an overnight leap of faith. You don't. These people who say, oh, quit your job and just start doing what you love, those people, maybe they have trust funds. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's perfectly fine to take little leaps of faith. You know, when I was being called to leave teaching and focus on readings, it scared the hell out of me. And I thought, there's no way I can do this. And so I did it in really small increments. I started doing readings one day a week and then two days a week and then two days a week and one night a week. And it just kind of crept up until I was really comfortable with that schedule. And I worked into it really gradually because that's, that's the way I prefer to move into big changes. I don't like big sudden wham, bam changes. Gradual changes make me much more comfortable. And it took me a while, and I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I was still following my calling. And some of you might be listening to this and thinking, well, I don't have time for that. You know, I, I don't have, like, all I do is work and, or all I do is work and take care of my family or, or what have you. But I'm here to tell you, like, I think I'm a good example of how you really can do all of that and still make time for yourself. When I was reawakening to my spiritual gifts, um, I had a brain-injured husband at home, and I had three kids under the age of four. And I knew that this was happening. Like, I was having a lot of mediumship and intuitive experiences And so I have a little walk-in closet, and I turned that into my sacred space. And I made a little um, altar table in there, and I put all my little saints up in there, and I put all my crystals and a candle and a pillow. And I would close my bedroom door, and I would go into my walk-in closet, and I would close that door, and I would sit on the little pillow, and I would meditate for five minutes. And so I'm just using that example just to show people, like, you can be completely overwhelmed with what's going on in your life, and you can still make time for you, and you can still make time for what feeds your soul. Right. And, and, not to, and that ties in with it as well with you easily could have said, I should be doing the laundry. I should be making sure that this. But you, you gifted yourself with that little little bit of respite and that time to say this is who I really am and this is what I need to honor and it does Mm -hmm. snowball really fast and I I say this a lot is that 
if you're if you're so I'm I'm going to use an example and I and I mean this with love and compassion. Years and years ago, I did a reading for a woman, and it kept coming through. And I've shared with this with a lot of people that one of the signs Spirit gave me a long time ago for creativity is um, a beaver dam, and how much water is coming over the dam is indicative of how much creativity or flow is in someone's life. And that's you know you never they they'll give you what they want to give you for a sign, and you and you work with it. And this woman, it kept coming up creativity, and I'm seeing this beautiful flow of water over the dam. And I said, I, you know, and I want to use my hands and I want to make something. And she lit right up and she said, well, I make jewelry. Do you want to see it? And she pulled out her phone and she showed me this. And she wanted to quit her job and go and make this jewelry. And she, God love her, she, she showed me the pictures on the phone. And um, it, it, it wasn't something that I would have personally been drawn to wear. I'll leave it at that. And she was so passionate about this. And so and in my head, the logical part of me, because I am very pragmatic, was thinking, I can't encourage this woman to leave her job and sell this. I don't, I don't see how this is going to work. And, but instead, I, I said, you really love doing this. She said, I love this more than anything else that I do. And I saw an ad on, um, online the other day and she's doing absolutely fantastic with this line of jewelry that just because it didn't align with me, it goes along with she couldn't not make that jewelry. She loved it that much. And people scoop it right up. So, you know, I mean, don't limit yourself by saying, oh, no one will ever buy this or this person doesn't like my work so it's not valuable. If it's what you're meant to be doing – it, the, all the pegs are going to line right up for you. Oh, I think that's so important to emphasize because I've been guilty of that a hundred times in my life. You know, if I show someone my writing and they're like, oh, it's a little dark or not enough character development, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I, I, it, it's true. I do stink. I'm awful at writing. And I'll shut down for a while. And it's taken me years to realize you know what, you like writing, and if and no one else likes it, you like doing it, so keep doing it. And I think right. that's a really important message for people to hear. And you're published. You have, you have, uh, you write for, for actual places and publications, and, and I've read your writing. You're very good. But, and don't you think that kind of ties in with, though, if that practice and building your self-confidence and, um, you know, as I'm sure as this woman started selling more and more pieces of her jewelry or, you know, you start doing more readings or you start doing more massages or you start getting that positive feedback, it's almost that, that, that wind in the sails to say, okay, I want to keep going with this. I want to stay up and, and answer emails at 11 o'clock at night or I want to because that's not another whole thing is when you're, you're looking at creating this, this career or this life or this um, lifestyle that you want to have. It is. That, that's the key. It's your lifestyle. It's not just going to work every day. And I think it's important, too, when you're thinking about what it is you want to do is to try really hard to annoy, ignore the naysayers because yes. you will have people that will tell you, oh, you can't make a living doing that or – there's a million wannabe writers, there's a million wannabe psychics, there's a million wannabe artists, whatever it might be. 
who are you to throw your hat in the ring? And my question would be just what Marianne Williamson says. Who are you not to? It's also if you're being brave or or waving your freak flag or doing what you want to do that brings you, you know, and, and someone else is feeling trapped and they want to do that as much, but they either don't feel they can or they're holding themselves back or they're so caught in that exactly what you said earlier if they're so caught in those I should stay here because in five years I can retire and or I should do this so I think that it's almost a um, I don't know if it's envy or jealousy or sometimes there's downright malice about it um, I, I mentioned to someone a while back I said well you know my ultimate goal is I want to do this as a self-sustaining profession and I'm building this up and I've been working at it eight years and I, you know how you just kind of see a quick look go across someone's face and it wasn't the most pleasant reaction and I thought, wow, she really isn't happy for me. She doesn't want this to happen. And, and it hurt my feelings a little bit, but then I thought, um, I can't let that keep me stuck in a place because someone else is um, not willing to honor their own light and their own path. And that's just it. I think you, you nailed it because when people aren't happy for your passionate ideas, your goals, your success, it says nothing about you or your ideas and it says everything about them and their fears. I think everybody, well, I know everybody has a calling and a reason why they're here. And I think it's so much more comfortable at some level to ignore the calling because it's just easier to go along to get along. And when we see someone taking that risk and taking that leap, it shines a light on us. Like, well, what's wrong with me? And so it's easier just to put down that brave person than it is to be inspired by that brave person and think, well, if they can do it, so can I. But you will experience those naysayers. And I think it's important to just recognize them for who they are, even if it's your own mom or dad or partner or spouse. And don't you think another really important piece of this is where your priorities are at the time where you are in your life when you're making this decision? The decisions that I'm making at this point in my life are much, much different than when my, my sons were younger or when mm-hmm. before I had mm-hmm. children or I'm sure what they'll be different, you know, further down the road. And that's another piece. I keep having this nagging thought the whole time we're talking is, you know, you may choose to stay in a situation because it gives you a quality of life outside of your job that you wouldn't be able to have without it, to, to be with your family or to pursue things. But the key piece is if you're not happy or you're in a toxic environment, to start taking those little steps to say, okay, what can I do to either find more joy in what I'm doing now or to redefine myself so that I can move into something more fulfilling? Yes, and to not let yourself be brought down or depressed by any limiting circumstances you're in now. I had a client, for example, who really wanted to be an actress, and she ended up getting pregnant really early on, and so stayed home with her family, did that whole thing. The minute her kids were raised, she was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to pursue my acting goals, and then her mother got really, really ill and had to move in with her. And so now she's back in this full-time caretaking role. 
And I said to her, you know, you're meant to be on stage. Like I just, every time I would read for her, I'd see her on stage. And I said, don't give up on that dream. And luckily, I think those readings inspired her because she realized while she was severely limited with time taking care of her mom, she started doing local theater. And it filled her up. It gave her so much joy. And she just hired an at-home worker, you know, to come in and watch her mom while she went to rehearsals and then did the plays. Her mom passed away a couple of years ago. And when I last talked to her, she had just auditioned for a movie with Robert Redford. Wow. I know. And she's like 62, I think. 60, 62, something like that. So there's just, there's never a timeline or a time limit. I believe on our goals and passions, we can always pursue them. And sometimes life does get in the way. And we do have responsibilities that take all of that time from us. And that's okay. You know, that's life. But you can still work on your goals and your passions while also fulfilling the should that you feel compelled to follow. And that's a huge, huge piece about the timeline is I think especially in uh, the culture that we live in, everything is so age, not age dependent. What is the word I want? You know, it, there's such an emphasis on on youth or missing the boat or whatever. Yeah. But if you're continuing yeah. to to grow and evolve and learn and, and you keep moving forward, um, you know, s- talking with someone who the other day, this man is almost 80, and he's planning is, you know, where am I going to plant my apple trees in the spring? And, you know, you have to have something that feeds your soul. And to, to, to tap out because you think, oh, I'm too old to do that, personally, I think that's kind of an excuse. Um, you're giving up your turn when you do that. Is that I too agree, harsh? 100%. No, no. <laughs> that's a little no. harsh, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. I think that's very, very true. We all do that, though. We all use excuses in anything in our lives. I remember when I had my first child, I was like, cha-ching, now I have an excuse to be five pounds overweight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then when I went to the beach and saw other moms with three kids and their eight-pack abs, I was like, crap, I don't. But we all do that. We look for excuses to not follow what we want to follow. Um, I just used a shallow example, (laughs) but really, we look for those excuses. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. And, you know, all of those excuses on their face value might be true, but conversely, they're not true because you might not have the time to pursue this big dream, but you do have the time and money to follow a smaller dream, like in the example I gave before with my client doing, you know, local group theaters. The other thing I want to say... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. You finish your thought. No, I was just going to say, if you you step away from comparing yourself, I Mm. I mean, I am, you know, we met at the the big well-known thing and it was a very competitive atmosphere and all those. I don't... I don't have to be that person. I don't have to, to, to be in a different city every, every night of the week. I don't, have, I don't actually want that lifestyle. Um, so I think when you find contentment with what, what, what is it that works for you um, and not compare yourself to, oh, well, I want to do, 
I'm going to use the jewelry example again. I want to design this jewelry bed and it will never be as good as so-and-so's. You, you're just, you're negating. You're negating your manifestation when you do that. Um, and it's, it, it, when you find what is that makes it you, no one can replicate it. Yes. And I think you have to follow your passions and your loves sometimes without knowing where they're going to end up. For uh-huh. example, I love the story of um, Joseph Campbell, you know, who did the, who created the whole hero's journey right? and gave us so many explorations into the power of myth. He spent five years reading. He just literally took five years off after his um, doctorate and just said, I just want to sit in this little cabin and read. And out of that came this whole career on teaching about what he'd learned through those five years of reading. And so I think it's important to just follow your loves and follow your passions. And you might not know where they are going to lead or, you know, what exactly is going to come out of that. And that's okay, too. And the other thing I wanted to say is I I think especially in America – we have this idea that success has to be so big and it has to be Uh famous and it has to be, you know, financially abundant. And I, I, I just say no to that because success sometimes can just be a beautiful night with your family. And so I think sometimes rethinking what success means to you, you know, like I have, I have a lot of clients who will come to me for life coaching and they'll say, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. I don't, I don't really know. And I'll say to them, well, what do you love doing? And I had this one client and she said, well, I just love being a mom. Well, what's so wrong about that? You know, why can't, why can't that be her success right now? You know, once her kids are growing and she's going through the empty nest, then she can revisit that. But if that's her goal is to be a great mom, wonderful. Or if your goal is to just be a great first grade teacher, that's wonderful. I I just think that we need to take away this idea that success has to be, you know, landing yourself on on the Oprah Winfrey show. Right. And that's when it becomes more about self-fulfillment and less about ego. Because ego Mm -hmm. wants to say, am I on Oprah and does everyone see me? But, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, but if one thing I mentioned to someone who was trying to find a new path the other day, I said, well, how much do you need to generate to be happy? She said, I want to be really, really rich. And I said, well, what does that even mean? And she said, well, really, really rich. And I said, but for me, that might be a different figure than you. That's a very subjective statement. You have to be specific. So if you're asking the universe, please bring me my ideal career, give them some parameters to work with on the other side as far as, or your spirit or your guides or or God or all that is, or however you want to phrase that, if if my, you know, I may need to only generate X amount per month to be perfectly happy, content, well-fed, and balanced, and someone else may need 12 times that amount. So if your goal is, I want to be this rich, be specific about how rich that is. Be specific about, I want to work four days a week for six hours a day, because you can't have it all... You, you, if you want to be that rich person and you want to work 24-7 to gain that, but that's going to bring you the joy and that you feel is your purpose, that's all well and good. 
But you, mm-hmm. you does that make any sense, or am I just it on a rant? It makes a lot of sense. No, 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 you're not at all. I think that's a really important point. That's one of my pet peeves is when I ask people, like, what's your main goal? And they'll say to be happy. Okay, right. well, what does that look like? Well, you know, a happy. Well, <laughs> happiness is a very loose liberal term. And what brings me joy is not what brings you joy. So you have to be really specific. And I think, Denise, sometimes I think that so many of us get caught up in this hamster wheel of life that we don't even know what makes us happy. Right. And we just use these big general terms, but we don't really know what we want. And then we get so angry and upset that the universe isn't helping us manifest our dreams. It's like that example I always say, if you're really, really hungry and you go into a restaurant and you say, I'd like food, and the waitress says, well, what kind of food do you want? I'm just hungry. I I don't want to be hungry anymore. And then Mm -hmm. she brings you a plate of shrimp when you hate seafood. Well, the universe fulfilled your request. You can eat that and not be hungry anymore. But you need to go into that restaurant and say exactly what you want if you want to get it. But that's that's the big key is I don't think a lot of people know what they want. Or it comes back to that whole aspect of they're afraid because we, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're talking do what you love, what your passion, and the the opposite of love is and hate. The opposite of love is fear. So if you're afraid to take that step, or you're afraid to fulfill your needs, you're afraid to say, you know what, this is who I really am, and what what makes me happy and that's not accepted either in your family of origin or your circle of friends or your community, that's a really scary ass place to be. Yeah, it really is. And yet it's in that fear that we discover the answers. Right. And so you've got to face those fears. Yeah. And you've got to push through the failures. What's that Winston Churchill quote? Success is nothing more than going from one failure to another with optimism or something like that. (laughs) And I think that's really, really true. Um, I've had so many failures in my life, and I'm grateful to say that I've had many, many successes too. And I try not to let either define me. I try to let them both define me. You know, like I... I find strength in my failures and I find strength in my successes. And I'm really happy to say that I have very few regrets. I do have regrets. And I know as a spiritual person, you're not supposed to, but I do. (laughs) But I don't feel that I have a lot because of the way I look at it. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And and another prevalent thing that, that keeps coming up is, um, when you get to the end of the game and you look back, will this be the thing that you'll say, I wonder what would have happened if I had tried, if I had, you know, written the, the article or played the song or planted the garden? Or, and, and I think that, that that's a huge theme throughout this whole conversation we're having is no one, when people say, well, well I don't know what I want to do, that's such a personal decision. That is so, so personal because any more than, than you can know fully what, what brings me such a sense of peace and joy, I can't know that about you. But we can kind of light the way a little bit or narrow out what you don't like. Um, right. 
but it, it comes back to feeling strong enough within yourself to make some choices and decisions. Right, exactly. And I think, too, that um, if you don't allow yourself to be defined by your failures, then you can allow for real growth and change to occur. You know, thank you so much for saying that I was a good writer. I really appreciate that. And yes, I've had success as a nonfiction writer, but I've had zero success as a fiction writer. But does that stop me from trying? No. Does that stop me from writing? No, because I find so much joy in writing that fiction. And when I look at like the first uh, manuscript I wrote, I kind of laugh and go, wow, you've grown a lot. And I wouldn't have published this either. But I don't look at it anymore and go, you know, what a jackass you were for even writing this. I look at it and think, oh, wow, I'm so glad I kept writing because I've really grown so much. And, and what I absolutely love is when you said um, – I haven't had success with being a fiction writer. I heard clear as a bell yet. So, yes. so just, and that's, that's right, because it's that piece of, and, and I, it goes back to what we started at the beginning of the conversation. You write because it brings you, you love to write. You love to write these stories and develop these characters and, you know, the, the background, the scene, the, the plot, it, it, and you get you get lost in it, right? And they be right. And so, even if it's something that your daughters pull out of the drawer later on in life, it still has significance because it was such a huge part of who you are. Exactly, and I think that's what we have to hold on to. I have a client, and she came to me for life coaching years ago, and she was having a hard time discovering her passions. and And I said, Well, what do you do when when you can do whatever you want. And she said, I knit. Okay. And I said, well, that's beautiful. Like knitting is such a great meditative experience and it's wonderful to create something. And she was like, yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to sell my knitting because then it would become pressured and it would take the joy away from it. And I said, that's okay. Just keep doing the knitting and just pray and ask for guidance on what you're supposed to do with this love. And so she started doing that, and now she's affiliated with this, I think it's a national hospital organization where you knit caps for preemie babies. Yes. And she has found so much joy doing that. And now what she does is she goes into um, the domestic violence shelters, and she mm -hmm. teaches women there how to knit. And they knit um, blankets for the Linus Blanket Organization and for the preemies. And she doesn't get paid for it. That's not her, that's just not her goal. But she's found so much purpose in her life from just following that passion. And so that's and what I mean about letting yourself just follow what you love to do and let let the universe show you what you're supposed to do with that love. And you just you just made a perfect perfect point as well of how am I being of service? How is this helping someone else? How is this when it's all said and done and I'm no longer carbon-based, has what I've done or brought onto the planet helped? And, and, and not in a like over-the-top way, but for those little preemie babies or those people in a domestic violence shelter, that woman is a saint. Right. She truly is. But 
and it may not even be um, because I think that you you made a really good point a few minutes ago about in our culture bigger is better more you know lavish abundance if you're not the star then then what's the point of doing it but it does it can be so subtle and still be your calling still be your passion it it has but I, I I'm a big believer in the the being of service piece and I think mm-hmm. that that really shifts with because as a writer I'm going to use you as an example if you don't mind if you're if you you wrote this fiction piece and someone read that and they were able to to fall into that that hole and escape from their reality and find some pleasure and joy or take their mind off something that's a way of being of service or you know something that you've done creatively or artistically or that you can tune an engine so perfectly that it's keeping someone safe. I think those are all ways of being of service. Yes, I do too. I do too. And that's really all that we are called to do is to be of service in a way that brings us joy and brings light and joy to others. And I think if we make a concerted effort to follow that, the doors will open, the synchronicities, the coincidences will occur. The people that we need to open up those doors and to help us along our path will appear almost as if by magic. It's really just a matter of saying yes to your calling. You know, I, what do you think about if someone has like an amazing talent or, you know, some people are just gifted musicians or artists or architects or you know they just come and they're they're so ridiculously good at it that it's it's a natural ability it's just this innate talent and then they choose not to follow that path what do you i mean because part of me thinks you are gifted with this beautiful talent and and why are you not using it and then I'm thinking, well, that's kind of judgmental on my part because it's their path, not mine. So what the hell vote do I get on that? Um, but did, do you ever see that like someone who has such a beautiful gift but they choose not to use it as their vocation or even their hobby? Well, what I've seen is people who have attempted to use their gift and have experienced one or two failures and have chosen not to. That's what oh, I witnessed point. in my life. And it makes me really sad to see that. I remember early on in my teaching career, um, before I really knew I was intuitive, I was uh, collecting papers from my class. And this one girl came up and she gave me her paper. And when I touched it, I heard she's a singer she has an amazing voice oh and it just boom it just came into me and I just said do you sing and tears came to her eyes and she said don't go there with me Miss Faye don't go there there's a lot of hurt and pain there (laughs) (laughs) and after class I just said hey could you tell me a little bit more about that and apparently she had tried to do a demo and it hadn't worked and she lost her money and her investment and she just shut that down. And it just made me really sad and I just told her that I felt it, that she owed it to the world to face that fear again and, and use and use her gift. 
And I don't know if she ever did, but that's what I tend to see in, in my life are people that it's not that they're like, yes, I'm a wonderful painter and I just choose to never paint again. It's usually that they've experienced a failure or that it's family obligations and expectations that have you know, led them in a different way. But I, I, I have never personally seen someone who has simply chosen not to use their gift just out of nothing. Right. It, to me, it usually comes from failure or other people's expectations. Good point. And I, I think it may be that life circumstances get in the way for a while and they're not able to pursue that if, you know, an unexpected pregnancy or a death or needing, you know, when it becomes a survival issue or a responsibility issue that you can't, that you or need to... addiction. To, addiction's huge. I didn't addiction mean to is a there, huge but I was thing. Just, oh, no, but that's big. Yeah, and that's I have so many clients who have gone down the road of, you know, opioid or, or what have you, addiction, and they're filled with so much shame even after their recovery that it's almost like they don't feel worthy right. of going back to their original goals and dreams. Right. They feel like they lost that part of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that feels like such a waste to me. It's such a shame. But I think that's another piece how we can help all help each other out is that to if you notice someone has a, a an amazing gift or that they're you you compliment them on something and they half handedly said oh well yeah I made this I you know kind of threw it together is that let someone know that you appreciate what they're bringing to the table what their what their gift is or what their because sometimes people don't get any validation for that. They don't get any support. They don't, and they just need someone to say, that's beautiful, or I appreciate what you're doing, or thank you for singing, or thank you for, you know, it, and it's, uh, it goes back to the kindness piece, that it's oh, that amazing, my, amazing. It's one of my biggest pet peeves, because it's such a simple thing for us to do is to compliment somebody on their gift or talent. And yet I see so many missed opportunities for that. As a teacher, I saw that time and time again. I would say to a student, gosh, you're a really good writer. And they would say, really? No one's ever told me that before. And I think, you are 20 years old and nobody told you that? And obviously you're a good writer? I, I think as a teacher, and I don't mean to keep bringing it back to teaching, but that's my experience, it just a simple compliment can open up a whole new world for a young person or an old person. Right. And I think we, every one of us, has so much power in just offering up a compliment. And what does it cost you? Nothing. And, and that's another really good point in the sense of, you know, you're saying that about younger people, but if you're at um, – a a more mature decade of your life and you've been very accomplished or you've been, um, you know, I've I've been a special ed teacher for years and years. I can do that on autopilot. I'm I'm very good at it. But when I first started really developing this other, my alter ego side of my life, I didn't have that sense of self and confidence that I could be as successful. And I think that's another limitation we put on ourselves is I'm really good at this even though I'm done with it and it, it's, it's really out 
it's well past its shelf life. How do I start all over and be the new person? How do I learn this? And that that's where it ties in with start it on the side. Take a one step, yeah. set one little goal for yourself so that it and it truly I this sounds so hokey, but it is amazing, amazing to me as far as as soon as you start taking those steps towards what you love and what brings you solace and comfort and that you get lost in, more and more opportunities appear in front of you. Yes. And it really does life. work. It does. And you can look at your life and where you didn't get the community or the compliment or the instruction or mentorship that you needed and you can fulfill that for future people. For example, the whole reason why I started Psychic Teachers Podcast was because I didn't have that community where I was and I didn't have that mentor teacher that was super encouraging and supportive and I kept meeting clients who would say, I think I'm intuitive too, but I don't know what to do. And that was one of the reasons why I started that podcast was to teach people how to do this and to create that community. And that one of my favorite podcasts is um, WTF with Mark Marin, and he was um, he calls himself like a like a has been comic, like you know he just wasn't getting jobs, he wasn't getting gigs, and just was not making the success. And I think he was like 45 when he started that podcast, and he started it out of his garage, and you know, as I'm sure many of you know, because it's like the number five podcast in the world, he ended up interviewing President Obama a couple of years ago. He got his own TV show out of it um, and is a huge success. And it's simply because he sat around with his friends and was like, the only thing I'm good at is talking to people. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, well, do a podcast. And boom, a whole new successful career is born. And so I don't think time... um, should be a limitation. I don't think money should be a limitation, and I don't think age should be a limitation. No. Especially no. in this day and age when we have so many opportunities with the internet to reach people and connect with people in ways that we never have had before. It's almost a crime not to go after your dreams. And and it does. I just thought of, I don't re- remember the actor's name, so I'm not being disrespectful. But he used to be on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It wasn't Will oh. Smith. It was the guy that was oh. his brother. You you know who I mean, oh. or his cousin. You know who you mean. I just and don't know his name. Yet. Amazing dancer, the whole thing. And he said a quote. He said, "Don't go into acting to be a superstar. Go into acting because you love acting." And yeah. and that's that's the key is we've said this throughout this whole episode is you'll do it because you can't not do it. Yes. Yes, you have to do it for the love. I have a friend and her son, he's uh, 14. He is such an amazing actor, dancer, and singer. We were in playgroup together back when the kids were like two. And I remember she said, guys, I don't know what to do. Like my kid, all he's asking for is tap dancing lessons. And her husband graduated from Annapolis and is like a real manly man and was like, no son of mine is going to take tap dancing. And so she's like, what do I do? Like, he just really wants to take these classes. And we were like, well, let him take the classes. You know, sign up for soccer too to appease your husband, but let him do the tap dancing. And I remember I saw, I went to his recital when he was four. And 
after the recital, I texted her, I'm going to see him on Broadway. Like, I, I don't know about you, Denise, but I hate going to recitals, even my own kids. Like, they're just so boring and tedious. But when he came on stage, like, something changed. You know how you just, with people who have that it, that thing? Yes. He has it. And so I've since gone to see him perform in so many musicals and plays, and he's so flippin' talented, it's not even funny. And uh, but he... he headed up a, a musical at, at a, in his eighth grade production. And afterwards we all kind of gathered around him and his parents. And one of the moms said to his mom, like, why haven't you gotten him an agent? Why haven't you taken him to Broadway? Like he is amazing. And the, the little, the, I shouldn't call him a little boy. He's 14, but he's such a, a great kid. And he just said, um, he said, you know, I've had all those opportunities offered to me. And he said, I just want to be a kid and I just want to go to high school and I wow. want to go to college. And I always nice. want to act and sing and dance, and I always will. But I just love doing this. But I don't have these huge, big goals. I, I have time to accomplish them. And I, I just thought, that is so mature and so cool. Just to be able to say, I love doing this, and I don't have to go for it right now. I, I think we need to see that there's a there's a time and a place for every one of our goals. And I think the key that we're trying to hit home is that you don't, just tuck up your goals and your talents into a little box because you don't have the time or the money right now that you untuck those gifts and use them in whatever way you can. And when the time is right, as long as you've done the preparation and the work, all will fall into place for you. But the key is to just invest in that gift and that talent and to invest in yourself, ignore the naysayers and just go for it. But before we run out of time, I just, I want you to talk a little bit more you touched on it in the beginning of our time together about how important it is to visualize the emotions of the career that you want and the calling that you want to create for yourself. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that? Um, sure. And, and I think that that is, we, we might say, oh, when, if I could just be uh, work from home or, or do readings full time or, you know, be, have my Etsy shop or I, it, you can fill in the blank with it, whatever you want it to be, but be realistic about what's actually involved in that, that with all of the things that are on the front lines, there's also the whole other piece behind that. So look at the big picture and see how does this affect my lifestyle? Am I... You know, do you want to work early mornings or late at night? Are you going to be able to structure your time? What, I think the balance piece is huge in that. And I feel like I'm repeating what I said earlier in the show as far as, you know, set, see it, start to believe it, say, okay, well, and one of the things that this happened to me today and I thought it was great before I started doing more of this work is I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to just be able to be home and, you know, do readings and take the dog for a walk? And, you know, and today it was like my day that I visualized years ago because I'm on school vacation and I got up and I did some things and then I did a reading and then I took the dog out and then I did another reading and I, then I made a banana bread and then I did a couple more readings. And it was just this flow to the day that was, it was easy. It was fun. And I thought, okay, you know, you're on the right path. But there's the other piece to that, that if I rewind the tape, that's not, I didn't, I didn't feel it. I didn't see it with all the other pieces that have been the stepping stones to be able to do that today. So it is a process, I guess, is the point with that. 
Yeah, and I think it's almost like you're putting in an order to the universe when you focus on that. I remember when I was teaching, I had this little windowless office in the basement of the building that nobody wanted, but I loved it because it was tucked away. And I had a little lamp in there, and I would just sit in there and I'd play my NPR music, and I would grade and I would research my lesson plans, and I'd pick out really cool articles that we could read and discuss. And And I remember saying to my friend, like, I love being in front of the classroom and connecting with the students and sharing with them and and encouraging them to share with the class. And I love doing the research for the class. I don't like dealing with discipline. I hate grading. And I don't like the committee meetings and all that garbage that goes along with it. And I would always focus on that. I would always focus on what I loved about teaching. And when I started doing the podcast, I sat back one day and I thought, I'm doing this. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. researching for shows. I'm teaching what I want to teach. I'm encouraging people to share, you know, with the show what's resonating for them and their experiences. And I don't have to deal with grading or discipline or committee meetings. But at the time when I was sharing with my friend, like, what I loved about teaching and what I didn't, it never was I thinking, well, a oh. teaching podcast would be the answer to that. But I just kind of put out there this image, this idea of what I loved about my work and what I mm-hmm. didn't love about my work. And this whole thing just kind of came together on its own and has created a new career for me, which has been just wonderful. So I do think that's important. And I also think it's important to really focus on visualizing what it is you want. I remember yes. when I was um, I was doing readings. I, I did readings for free for a year to practice and get my experience down. And most of those were over the phone. So I always had this image I would visualize of this office with this circular glass table and a little two-seater, little love seat couch and a, and a window. And I, I don't know, I just had that image over and over and I would visualize myself in that office and opening the door and welcoming people in and doing readings. And when I found my first office, there was a little two-seater couch in there and a really cute window. And I had to go get a table, you know, for my client and me to sit at. And I went to this um, sale that my church was having and there was a glass top table around glass top, <laughs> just like I had visualized and I bought it and and I thought oh my gosh it's exactly how I visualized it so I do think it's important to just not necessarily say like I want a job at this place doing this making this much but to right. say like this is the way I want it to look this is the way I want it to feel. These are the elements of the career that I know I'll be good at. Just kind of putting out your little request to the universe and not limiting the universe and not being too general or too specific. I think that's the best way to manifest your career that you really, really want. Yes, I I agree with that. And it gives... It gives you parameters to work with, but also the dream team on the other side, the parameters to help you manifest that. Exactly, exactly. And to help yourself be open to catching the synchronicities and the people that are going to come into your life that you're going to need to help you on your way. Because sometimes we don't even see the help when it's right in front of us. 
but if we are in alignment with our calling, those doors will open. And I always say that the doors that close, close for a reason, and it might not be the reason you think it is. Like, take me, for example, if those first one or two or three manuscripts that I wrote and submitted to agents had gotten published successfully, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you and doing this career. That's, that's a good point. It's an excellent and I point. Think, yeah, and I think that this is my calling. I think writing is a joy of mine, and I do think I will have that career at one point in my life, but I think God or the universe, whatever you want to call our higher power, was like, yeah, that's great, Sam, keep doing that, but we're calling you to do this first. Right. And I look at so many, like James Von Prague, for example, he always wanted to be successful in TV, and those doors kept getting shut for him. And finally, he embraced his mediumship and created the wonderful career that I think we've all enjoyed watching him create. But out of that, he was able to create the phenomenal, successful TV show, The Ghost Whisperer. So he uh-huh. was able to have success in his first chosen career of producing TV shows, but it was only after he responded to the true calling he was put on earth to do. And so sometimes doors might close for you. Right, and, right. and if you feel like you I, – I, this kind of ties in with what you said earlier – you haven't missed the opportunity. It wasn't the one you were meant to take. So mm-hmm. if you feel like, oh, I could have been, I could have been an astronaut, but I didn't, you know, whatever your could have, should have, would have, it, 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 that wasn't the time frame. And and pay attention to what you feel physically when an opportunity comes to you. Do you feel excited? Do you do you feel elevated? Do you feel um, intrigued or does it scare the shit out of you? Because I think both are indicators that there's a big opportunity in front of you here. Right. Right. So you're saying if it scares the shit out of you, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It means it's right. something you need to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But if you just kind of mamsy pamsy, I don't really care. Oh, this would be good because I'll make more money. If that's your only goal, then go for it. But if it's if it's truly a calling or a career choice that is going to help you define where you're going next, it's going to feel different physically and emotionally. And as mm-hmm. empaths, that's kind of our ace in the hole. And I just want to say, too, before we wrap up, I think it's really important to have a career where you're not focused on retirement. And I just want to say two quick things about that. One, I was listening to an interview with a producer um, from India, and it was on uh, Fresh Air with uh, Terry Gross. And she said to him, you know, what have you learned most about working in America? And he said, well, I love working in America, and I, and I love Americans. He said, but I've never met a country so obsessed with retiring. And he said, mm-hmm. my goal has always been to have a career that I don't want to retire from. Right. And I I just found that so profound, and it really shifted a lot of things for me. I have a friend who works really, really hard in the financial district in in New York City, and he makes a ton of money. And his goal is to retire when he's 50. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure he'll make it because he's already making millions. But then I think, then what? Like, what are you going right. to do when you retire? You know, are you just going to like sit, like, what does that even mean? I just, I just would invite people to think about 
this huge goal they have of working at this job and slaving away at this for this almighty goal of retiring. I look at retired people and it just doesn't look fun. You know, (laughs) I mean, you can only play so many rounds of golf or, or go to so many bridge games or volunteer at so many church outings before it's like, what? And I can't tell you how many friends I have whose parents have had really successful careers where they worked, 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 and then they just stopped. Mm-hmm. And then they got um, early onset dementia. And one of my one of my girlfriends, her, that happened to her dad. He had a really important job in D.C., retired at 65, and at 68 started losing his memory. And she was going to all these different memory doctors, and they were telling her that they see this a lot, like with Ronald Reagan or – is it Madeline Albright who had Alzheimer's as well? Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people who work, 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 and then just stop, it like switches something in the brain. And it's not really healthy to just do that. So I think it's important just to, just to take away that goal of retiring. To, to do mm-hmm. what? You know? Really? Right. I just want people to think about that. Because... I just don't think we should, any of us should really want to just sit around and do nothing. But and if you're, if you're living the life that brings you joy and purpose and you're being of service, you'll want to keep doing it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the whole goal is creating a career that is in alignment with your soul's purpose, that's in alignment with your calling from which you don't want to retire from. And if you can manifest that, Whatever that is, you know, it could be working at the garden center because you love gardening, or it could be getting your your book selected by Oprah, you know, from, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It can be a small thing, as we've said several times already, but whatever it is, if you are able to create that, that is success. That is happiness. That is joy. Well said. Is that a good place to end it? (laughs) That's a perfect place to end it. Well, we thank you so very much for tuning in and listening. We would love to hear your feedback on this show. If any of you have created the career of your dreams, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions um, that this topic has brought up, please send them to us. We're going to be doing a monthly Q&A based on questions that you all send us that we think everyone in the audience will benefit from listening to. Also, don't forget, Denise and I are teaching a webinar um, Wednesday, February 7th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on how to manifest love in your new year. So we will put the links for that up when the registration is set on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. And we so hope you join us on that Facebook page because it's a really great way to connect with us and other like-minded people. And we hope you tune in next week where we're going to be talking more about manifesting exciting things in the new year. We hope you have a beautiful week. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to show up, do the work, and share your light. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. 